At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. In a culture growing in hostility, it's clear how far we are from what the kingdom of God should look like. As followers of Christ, it can be difficult to stand firm in what we are taught and what we believe in. It's easy to let idols slip into our lives without us even realizing it, especially when the world we live in puts people on a pedestal. In our new series, Daniel, The Clash of Cultures, we'll be looking at the life of Daniel and how even then Daniel had to navigate a culture who opposed God. We'll discover how we can put our trust in God regardless of our circumstances and how God is sovereign overall. Join us this new year as we study the life of Daniel and learn how to apply the truths inside this book to our own lives. Good morning and Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Ryan Nast, and I am our Family Ministries Director here at Woodside Farmington Hills. It's good to be back with you after getting a little over a week off with family in Florida between Christmas and New Year's. That was, that was really refreshing and good, but I'm so excited to be back here today as we are kicking off a brand new series called Daniel, Clash of Kingdoms. If you haven't figured it out yet, over the next few weeks, we are going to be going through the book of Daniel, and uh, today we are going to be looking at the, the first chapter in this book. And throughout this series, we're really going to be looking at how we can remain loyal to God's kingdom in a culture that is hostile to the gospel. Uh, I, I don't think it's too big of a stretch for any of us here to realize that there are a bunch of different cultures that make up our world. We see that all we see that even within our country. We see it within our state, really, with just different cities, right? Different cultures from city to city that you go to. Um, we see that. I mean, I, I, I even had the opportunity, really, to see that uh, being down in Florida, right? There's a much different culture down in the south than there is in the north. And, uh, and I saw just, just firsthand, you know, with the, the climate being warmer, things uh, maybe moving a little bit different speeds, um, and even driving home, I got much different reaction wearing my Michigan Rose Bowl gear in Georgia and South Carolina than I did in the state of Ohio. Uh, go blue, and, uh, and hopefully we win tomorrow. Uh, but at the same time, nothing really brings home this reality that there are different cultures that exist uh, in, in this world than, than, than actually going to a different uh, country. I remember my first experience outside of North America came just after my freshman year of high school when I had the privilege to go to India. And as I stepped foot out into to the, this country, I, it was, became very clear I was in a very different place, that, that not many people spoke English. Not, you know, it was a completely different language. Things smelled a bit different than what I was used to. And uh, there were different cultural nuances and, and rituals that came with being in a new country. And it's not that any of those things were in particular bad or anything like that. It was actually can be a really good thing, right, to have those types of experiences to go and, uh, and have experience in different cultures that, that broaden the way we see the world and, and, and even God. Uh, but as with any culture, including our own, there are also things that every culture has that causes us to take our eyes off of God, to put them elsewhere on, in, in things, places they really don't belong. And that's, 
That's what we've got to be careful with, and, and, and that's what we're, we even see here today in Jan, Daniel chapter 1. So often this world and our culture finds itself in opposition to God. This was certainly Daniel's reality, and it's, it's certainly our reality at points as well. And, and, and so the question we, we have to ask ourselves is, how do we find hope and walk in alignment with God's kingdom in the culture that we live in? Well, I hope we see today that, that we must remember that God is sovereign over our cultural circumstances. We must remember that God is sovereign over our cultural circumstances. God is a faithful, mighty, and, and sovereign God. He is over everything that takes place in this world. That's very clear uh, from the, the opening chapter of Daniel. And today, as we go into places like our schools, our workplaces, our communities, even online as we engage spaces there, it can kind of be difficult to remember that God is sovereign over these spaces, that He's still in control, can't it? It can be difficult to, to remember that, but it also can be difficult to remain loyal to God in those spaces, right? To, to stand up for what we know is to be true in His Word, um, those, those can, be, can be difficult, and this morning, we're going to see exactly how we can be loyal to God, even in a culture that, is, that, is, that might be hostile at points to Him. And, and one of the ways we can be loyal to God is to recognize the cultural influences. We must recognize the cultural influences. And that's what we see in the first seven uh, verses of the book of Daniel, is that we have to recognize our cultural influences. It says this, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. As we come to this passage, or even before we come into this passage, I think it's going to be important to have a little bit of context uh, of the Old Testament uh, leading into this. See, in 2 Samuel 7, God makes a covenant with David, who was king of Israel at that time. And he, in, that, in this covenant, this promise, he, he promises that someone from the line of David will sit on an eternal throne. Now we know today that that is fulfilled in Jesus, who is from the line of the one from the line of David, who sits on God's eternal throne. But this promise that was given to David 
and his lineage, it does not come without a warning as well. And this warning to these kings that would, to David and the kings that would really follow him, was that sinning against God would bring discipline. Sinning against God would bring discipline. But God promises, even with this warning, that he will not take away his steadfast love from, uh, from, from this, the, these kings, or, or from, from David's line, and, and fr- from his people, really. And God totally makes good on that promise, even as we will see today. Because as the book of Daniel begins, we see this warning becoming a reality. In 2 Chronicles 36, it kind of speaks into some of the events we see here at the beginning of Daniel 1. And we learn in 2 Chronicles 36 that King Jehoiakim, the king we see here in the first couple of verses of of Daniel 1, uh, was, was a king that did what was evil in God's sight. So in other words, he had broken God's covenant. The covenant with God. And, and, uh, and, and as a result, God brings discipline, right? In verse 2, we see that God gave uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king, king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar took vessels or treasure from the house of God and brought it to the land of Shinar and placed it in the temples of his God, the houses of his God. Now, it is significant that the the land of Shinar is mentioned here because it is also mentioned in Genesis 11 as the place where the Tower of Babel was was sought to be constructed, where they had these people that came together out of pride seeking to build this tower that was in direct opposition to God and his plan. As a result, God confuses their language and he disperses them over the earth. So knowing that that, that Shinar is mentioned here, along with these vessels that are taken from God's house and placed in the house of Babylonian gods, we, really tells us what we need to know about Babylon. That this is a culture that is in direct opposition to God. It's a culture that is in direct opposition to God, and that's something that remains true all the way from Genesis to Revelation. That is what we see from Babylon. In verses 3 and 4, King Nebuchadnezzar also instructs his eunuch to bring others with them, others from Israel that would join in exile. He brought the royalty, the nobility, those who were young and good-looking and and wise. He picked and chose who he was going to bring. He showed partiality, which is interesting that it's what we see from and what we would expect from the culture of man, from the kingdom uh, of man, is it not? Because so that's the direct opposite of what God's kingdom does, right? It shows no partiality. There is no partiality with God. His kingdom is open to all who would come to him in faith. Among those who were chosen to be taken into exile from Israel were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. All of these men had names of deep theological significance. They had names that really represented and were a testimony to the grace and greatness of who God is. And so it is significant in verse 7 when we see that their names are changed. And they're changed to, to, to speak about the gods in the culture of Babylon. But not only that, right, we, we see in these, these verses that these men were, were also educated for three years. They were under the, the influence of the culture 
of Babylon, the, the, the teaching um, there. And, and really what we see in all of this was that King Nebuchadnezzar's goal was that these Israelites would turn their backs on God, that they would follow after the cultural influence of Babylon, their religion, their education, and their social convictions. I know that during this time of year, it's often a time where we think about uh, resolutions, right? Those things that we want to do to make this year even greater than what last year um, was. And I know that a common resolution within our culture is that we want to get healthy, right? We want to eat healthier this time of year and, and maybe even get into the gym to do, do some of those things. And so gym memberships go up all around the country. I see it in my gym where this is the busiest season of the year coming up here. And it lasts for about a month, right? Until everybody decides, you know, maybe it's due to cost or time or whatever it else is. And those can all be legit reasons why there's not enough time. Um, but, uh, but, but there's something more important that keeps us from attaining the goal that we set out for at the beginning. And, and all of these things are influenced by our culture to some degree. They're things that, 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 that impact how we live and how we, we go about life. Every culture has its own influences that remind us that we're exiles in this world right? Uh, that, that maybe things aren't the way they're supposed to be. We see that um, all over the place in our culture. I'm sure we're, we, 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 as we go through life, we're like, man, this isn't the way that God intended things to be. All over the place, no matter where we find ourselves, we see that. And, and, and as we see that, um, the, the book of Daniel actually reminds us that there is hope in this. There is hope when the kingdom of this world clashes with the kingdom of God. And, and sometimes I know it can be hard to understand in these moments, but the good news is we have God's word. He's given us his word in the Bible where we can read and we can look and we can learn exactly what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, a citizen of God's kingdom. And naturally, as we read this Book, as we are influenced by what God has, has shared with us in his word, what he has made clear to us through the gospel, we're going to see that this world doesn't always agree with what God says. And that can be difficult when that happens, but we have to use this, this book. We have to use the Bible as a measuring stick in those moments, right? We have to be willing to say, this is what ultimately determines truth for me. Not my culture, not, the, not, this, not, not, not this city, not this country. Nothing in this world determines what truth is apart from God's word. We have to, we have to make sure that that's where we're, we're getting that, getting truth from. If we can't back up our beliefs with this, then there's probably a problem with that. So we have to understand what our cultural influences are. And again, not all the time are those cultural influences bad. We're actually going to see some of that even as we continue to go on. But another part of being loyal to God in a culture like this, a culture that is, is hostile to, to, to what God says, is to remain dependent on God. We need to remain dependent on God. And we'll see that in verses 8 through 16. It says this. 
But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why would, should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So, would you, so you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and waters to, water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So as we come to this next section in the, uh, the, these, this passage, the, the beginning of, of verse 8, the question kind of becomes, so what is Daniel and his friends going to do? What will they do? Are they going to accept this new kingdom of Babylon and that, that clashes with the kingdom of God, or will they reject the kingdom of this culture and uh, risk their lives in the process? Well, we learn very quickly in verse 8, right? But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. Daniel was resolved that he would not take part in the king's in the food of the king's table. Yes, he had allowed himself to be educated within Babylonian culture. He had even allowed for his name to be changed from having the significance of, of, uh, of the theological significance that his name meant to, to, to more portraying that of Babylonian gods. Something that, I mean, names were significant in that culture. But this is where he drew the line. He was not going to eat the food of the king's table. Why? Well, at this point in human history, if Daniel were to eat of the king's table, this would have symbolized allegiance to the kingdom of Babylon, a kingdom that was in direct opposition to God. So it would have been allegiance to Babylon and disloyalty to, to God. That's what eating at the king's table would have, eating from the king's table would have done in a way that not even being educated in their culture would have, or even the name change that he, he had been given did. This would, have been, this would have symbolized direct opposition to God. And in verses 9 through 10, Daniel goes to the chief of the eunuchs, and he asks, them, asks him, let, let me not defile myself. Make, sh- let me, let, let's, let, make, make sure that that doesn't happen. And as he goes to this man, this chief of the eunuchs, Daniel was given favor. God gave Daniel favor in in his eyes. But ultimately, this eunuch was very clear about where his loyalty also lied, right? With Babylon, with the king. And so he was more concerned 
with what the king was going to think when he saw that Daniel and his friends were not in as good of shape as the rest that were eating the food from the table. In fact, he was concerned that he would even, his life would be taken from him. And so he said no. This eunuch says no to Daniel. And that might have been pretty discouraging in that moment. To, to wonder, am I going to be forced to eat this food? Am I going to be forced to be in direct opposition to God? But he goes yet again and tries with this, this guard, this, this steward, this overseer who had been assigned to him and his friends. And he challenges the man this time. He says, test us for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables and water. Compare us to everybody else who's eating of the king's table and then decide. Then deal with us accordingly. Today, this diet would probably, I mean, I'm sure back then too, but this would have been considered a, a healthy diet, right? That's how we kind of look at it. And I know that the Daniel fast is popularized by this passage. We've probably heard of that before. And maybe even some of you have made the resolution this year to be healthy. And I hope, I wish you well in all of that, but I'm going to tell you that that's not what this text is prescribing for us, right? It is not uh, the application of this text to, to eat this, the, the, the vegetables and the, and the water and, and, and abstain from all of the meat and all of that. That's not what this text, it, it, that's not the application here. Um, it, to, to say that it is would really miss the heart of, of the reason for why Daniel is, is asking for this. Remember that, that eating of the king's food would have symbolized allegiance to Babylon allegiance to this culture that was hostile towards God. And eating these vegetables and drinking this water demonstrated allegiance to God because this is how God had, what God had prescribed in the book of Leviticus for his people to eat. And so it was, it was a cultural uh, marker that Daniel and his friends were, were going to remain loyal to God in this. It's why Daniel was willing to risk his life not just once but twice and, and to make sure that he was loyal to the kingdom of God. And God blessed him and gave him favor for that, right? After the 10-day test, was, as it was going on, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were all in better shape than the rest of the, the people who had eaten the food from the king. They were able to continue on in their loyalty to God as a result. And, and what an awesome thing that God did for them in that. I know that there's a big game going on tomorrow night. I'm sure all of you are aware as well, and I'm very much so biased as to where I hope that, uh, that outcome comes, of course. Uh, but I've been looking all week at what people are saying about both Michigan and, and Washington heading into that game, and it sounds like it's going to be a great game. It sounds like there are very contradicting styles of play and the consensus seems to be that whoever's able to impose their will on the other team uh, for the game is going to win. And uh, that makes sense, right? Any time that you're able to kind of do the things that you want to do in a, any sort of sporting event, you're probably going to win. It's a good recipe for winning. And now I get that there's not really a game that's going on. There's now sports involved in this opening chapter of the book of Daniel but when we see these two, two different cultures opposing one another, the beautiful thing is we know that the kingdom of God is always going to win out. We, we see that 
that that is, that, that is true just through the, the faith, the, the faithfulness of God in sending his son. We'll get into that in just a, a minute. But, uh, but, but these men understood the importance of sticking to the script, right? Of, of understanding that they, that they had learned so much about the God of Israel growing up. They had learned of his faithfulness, and they knew his character. They knew who he was. They knew that remaining loyal to God in this moment would have been way better than, than following after the cultural influences of Babylon, even though they had been sent into exile. See, when the world tests our loyalty to God, we need to remember who he is as a faithful and mighty God in these moments. It may not always be popular, Right? It might be going against the grain of, of culture to, to truly stand up and, and, and believe um, what, what, the, what the Bible says. But um, even when people come to us and say, well, that's not true, that's, that's wrong, and we can base it on this, like we, can, we can take that stand. We can have our confidence in this, knowing that this, that God's word, that God is who all of that depends on. It might cost us some relationships, it might cost us popularity. It might cost us economic status in this world. It might cost us job opportunities or grades in school or whatever. We could go down the line on some of those things. But at the end, are those things really more important? Are those more important than a relationship with the God of the universe who loves us, who cares for us? I hope that at the end of the day, when we look at, at what we're what we're up against when, the, when the, the culture of this world tries to take some of these things away from us, that we're willing to say that, no, the kingdom of God is way more important than the kingdom of our culture. And we also see from this text that we need to receive his divine favor. We need to receive his divine favor. And we see this in verses 17 through 21, which say, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among them, among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all of the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. A beautiful thing. God gave these four men learning in skill and literature and wisdom. Daniel was able to interpret dreams, right? That's all in verse 17 there. Despite Babylon's best efforts, these men were, did not allow themselves to be indoctrinated into that culture that was in direct opposition to God. Instead, they, they, they demonstrated that their identities were rooted in the kingdom of God. And because of what God gave them, as they stepped up before the king, see there in verse 19, that none was found better than Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, right? 
As the, he found no one that was like them. In fact, when it comes, came to matters of wisdom, they were more, way more, 10 times more, uh, more greater, better than those of the Babylonian culture. God's hand was all over these circumstances too, was it not? I mean, we see that all throughout this chapter. In verse 2, we see that God gave Jehoiakim into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. He knew that, this, that he was sending his people into exile, but he still did it. His hand was still in it. In verse 9, we see that God gave Daniel favor and as he de- demonstrated loyalty to the kingdom of heaven. And in verse 17, we see that God gave all four of these men learning and wisdom, right? Those are the words, God gave. He's all over these circumstances that probably felt like, what is going on, right? Being forced and removed to leave the culture in which they grew up in. And now they're, they're in a culture that is in complete opposition to God. It might have been easy to give up hope to just go with the flow of things. But that is not what happened. It's not what happened. And what really God demonstrates in this this whole chapter is that he is a God who lovingly enters into human history, whose hand is is over everything that happens in this, this world. And he reminds us as he does that, that his kingdom has something greater for us than our world does. Ultimately, God reminds us that this is true, that that his kingdom is better than this world because he gave us his son, right? He didn't just give Jehoiakim into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't just give Daniel favor with this eunuch. He didn't just give all four of these men wisdom and understanding, right? It's not just a one-time thing. No, God continues to give of himself. He gave his son Jesus. Once again, God himself stepped down into human history as a man and to save us from our sin. Jesus went to the cross. He died the death that we deserve, right? What an amazing, amazing thing. We just sung it a little bit ago. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that Jesus died for our sin. But he didn't stay dead. No, he rose from the grave. And through faith in his his death and and resurrection, we are forgiven of our sin. We are brought into a relationship with God that begins now and lasts forever. As exiles, we are welcomed home and brought into the kingdom of God where we receive his favor and his grace, not because of what we have done, No, our sin deserves death. All of this this grace is because of who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. I know Christmas was a couple of weeks ago, but it's still fun to talk about Christmas. Um, And and it's fun, it was so fun to watch my family members, especially my nieces who are really little, open up some of the gifts that they wanted under the, uh, well, I guess we didn't have a Christmas tree down in Florida, but um, under the, nonetheless, open up the gifts that we had given them. And, and one of the cool things about gift giving, and I'm sure those of you who have done that before know that, 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 that it's so fun to watch people open up those gifts because underlying the gifts that we're giving, we're giving them out of love. We care for them. We want to show this person or these people that we love them. 
And if we really ask ourselves, though, do anyone deserve the gifts that they get? I mean, I know just thinking about it from, from my vantage point, I'm like, I'm not the best son in the world, right? I am not the best brother in the world. I am not uh, the best friend in the world always. And, and, and the, th- the truth of the matter is, is no, we, we can be pretty awful people sometimes to the people that we love, can't we? And, uh, and when we give gifts to these people, we're overlooking some of those things, right? We're, we're, we're looking past those, these, the sin that they have. We're looking past some of these differences just to show them that we care. In the greatest way possible, that's what God did as he gave himself, as he gave his son to this world. He knows that when left to our own devices, time and time again, we are going to choose the kingdom of this world over his kingdom. Time and again, that's what we'll choose on our own. So he steps down into human history. Throughout time he's done this, but ultimately through his son, through Jesus, and demonstrates his grace, forgiveness, and faithfulness, right? Despite our disloyalty to his kingdom, he shows us that he is a faithful God and forgives us of our sin. Even here in this this passage, what a beautiful testimony it is to God's faithfulness. God's people had sinned against him. That is the reason for why they are sent into exile. They disobeyed him. But still God remained faithful. He stepped into their circumstances. He provided Daniel and his friends with grace and favor. And no matter the circumstances we find ourselves in in life, we need to remember the faithful God that we have. We need to remember who God is. And I know that can be difficult. We look at the world around us, at the culture that, 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 is, that exists within our world, and we see the sin it's trapped in, and we're just like, man, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way that God intended things to be. And it can be so difficult. It can be discouraging. It can cause us to lose hope when we see that these things happen in our culture. And that's why we need to bring ourselves back to who God is and remember who his character is, who he is throughout time. Because it will remind us of the incredible grace that we have been extended in Christ. It will remind us of the faithfulness that he has shown since the beginning of time and even beyond that. Because that's who God is. He is a God who loves people, who steps into their circumstances and reminds us that he loves us by sending and giving his very own son. So hopefully you've seen today that God is sovereign over our cultural circumstances. That God is over everything that goes on in this world. You might not always understand why he does what he does, but ultimately, even some of these things that we think could never be a part of his plan, ultimately work towards his glory, and they can. We see that here in Daniel 1. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah easily could have been discouraged when the cultural influences of Babylon sought to transform their identity. They could have given in, but they didn't. They could have given in to the clashing culture of the world, but instead, God gave them exactly what they, what they needed. It was all because of his grace, and he, they, and he blessed them for it. 
for remaining faithful, even when it would have been difficult. In our world today, we're going to see that same tension at points, where the world asks us to do things that are in direct contradiction to God. And in those moments, as we seek to be committed to Christ, it can be easy for us to lose hope. But in these moments, we need to know that our God is a God who loves to to be gracious towards us, even when it might not always feel like it. And we need to know that he's going to give us exactly what we need in those moments. Because God is sovereign over our cultural circumstances. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that even as we look at the world around us and see that it clashes with your kingdom at points, and, and, and while we know that that can be discouraging, Lord, we're so thankful that you are still over these situations, that you are still working things ultimately for your glory in this world. We thank you that you still are gracious to us, even when we don't deserve it, Lord. We thank you that you send Jesus. And that you help us to see, um, to, to help us to stand up for you in a world that, that often works against you. So Lord, as we go out into the world, would you give us what we need? I'm sure there are people even here now in this room, Lord, that, that maybe feel without hope. And in this moment, would you just be gracious to them? Would you be gracious to all of us and help us to, to see the hope that, that is there when we see that you are over everything in this world, that you are Uh, working things for your glory. So Lord, would you help us? Because I know at times it's not easy. Thank you, though, that you are over over everything in this world. It is in Christ's precious and holy name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.